Hey, welcome home to Cassidy. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and it is a great joy to be here with you on this Pentecost Sunday. Thanks so much for joining us. Pentecost is the day we remember that the Holy Spirit was given as a gift to the church, that God himself comes to dwell within us, that no longer is there a temple that we have to go to because God dwells in each of us, our ourselves, our bodies, our person becomes the temple for God. And so it's exciting that we get to come together and, and, and celebrate this on this day. And, and quite frankly, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit now for five weeks. This is the fifth week of this worship series called Rely. The idea that we are going to rely on God, that we are going to rely on the presence of the Holy Spirit, that we are going to depend on with full trust or confidence God, so that we can depend on who He is and what He is doing, so that we can move in concert and in conjunction with Him, so that we can live fully into His purpose and His call. And we, we have talked about this, like I said, for five weeks. So if you're new here, don't feel like you're, you're on the outside that, 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 oh man, I guess I got, uh, I'm coming in on the very end. Yes, it's the end of the, the worship series, but um, it's going to be good no matter what. And so whether you're joining us online or in person, we're excited that you're here. And if you're a guest here for the first time, I just want you to know, first, you are welcome here. We are excited and, and overjoyed that you are here, that God has called you to this place. Place, to this moment so that together we can grow in relationship because our hope is that you will join us on a journey, a journey toward uh, relationship with God and relationship with one another so that we can be the people that God wants us to be. We can be his hands and his feet. We can love boldly and proclaim with authority the good news of Jesus Christ. And like I said, over the course of these past five weeks, uh, we started by saying, hey, we need to wait for the presence of the Holy Spirit. We don't need to do this on our own, but we need to wait for God so that we are, are going where He wants us to go and doing what He wants us to do. And we said we want to confront the culture that we are, we are, we are not uh, under our own authority making decisions, but instead out of love in the presence of Jesus Christ, we share grace with others even when they are confronting us about our faith or, or trying to tell us we're foolish because of Jesus or any of that, that we confront that culture and, and we love people where they are. And we talked about keeping in step with God, that we need to listen to the cadence of the Holy Spirit so that we're moving where God wants us to move and we're doing what God wants us to do. And then last week we talked about keeping the momentum, that we want to have the momentum of the Holy Spirit, where, whether things are going good or things are going bad, we're always working for the building of the kingdom of God. And this week, this week we're talking about seizing the moment, that sometimes uh, we receive these moments from God, that God creates moments in and around us where we can share the, the presence of the Holy Spirit, we can share the good news of Jesus Christ, we can share our lives and love and grace with others, and it's a moment where they may be touched and changed in an instant. And God creates these moments. It's actually a Greek word, kairos, 
uh, is what that comes from. It's these God moments or God's time that there is a perfect moment for something to happen. And the question is, are you going to allow that moment to pass away, or are you going to embrace it and lean into it? In the words of the eminent theologian and philosopher Eminem, uh, if you had one shot, one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted in one moment, would you capture it or let it slip? Uh, my hope is that we wouldn't let it slip, then instead we would lean into it, we would embrace it, we would hold on to it, and we would go where the Spirit is calling us to go, and we would do what the Spirit is calling us to do. But quite frankly, if you are anything like me, perhaps you have had some failures in the past. I've shared this story before, but it's, it's worth sharing again. When I was uh, in, in Hannibal, Missouri, uh, I was living there uh, in, in one of my uh, previous uh, job titles. I owned a computer company while I was in Hannibal. And that computer company, we sold uh, computer parts. And, and there was this guy that was a competitor of mine. His name was James. Uh, and James, it wasn't like a, uh, I didn't like him or anything like that. He was just competition. Sometimes we worked together on some things. And sometimes we were uh, competing to try and earn business. Uh, separately. And, and so James, uh, I was familiar with James. And because it was a small town, I also had become familiar with James' situation, that his company was having trouble because his marriage was on the rocks and uh, he was in the process of getting a divorce. And, and it broke my heart. Uh, and I was walking out of the Center of Cultural Excellence in Hannibal, also known as Walmart. Uh, and, and I was sharing with my family, you know, I, I should really tell James about Jesus. Tell him that Jesus loves him and that I'm, I'm praying for him. And as I walked out saying these words, I looked up and there walking in is James. And, and, and in that moment, I knew that it was, it was God doing something. I knew that God was calling me to go and say those words that I had just said to my family, to James. But instead of going to him, I failed. I looked down and I kept walking. And it, it tore me up so bad that I went back to Walmart after I went home and dropped off my family. I went back to Walmart and, and, and tried to find him because the, the failure was overwhelming. Like I, I, the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit was, was powerful and palpable to me. And so I went back and I couldn't find him. And, and the truth is this, uh, we all fail. We all fail, whether it's failing because we have uh, failed in, in a God moment or failing because we failed to stop what we were doing and, and listen and be present for someone else, because we have failed to be obedient to what God is calling us to, because we have failed to do what we knew that we should in that moment, because we have failed to do what we know Jesus would have done in that moment. And our failures can be overwhelming. Our failures can bubble up and, and, and maybe seem to drag us down. And in our failures, we can focus and, and believe that it is our brokenness and, and, and we are not good enough to do what God wants. But what if, what if we learned from our failures? Or better yet, we could, we could let our past failures spur us on 
to success? What if our past failures were the things that pushed us forward and we said, no, I'm not going to fail on my own. Next time, I'm going to do better. Next time, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Next time, I'm going to be the person that God wants me to be and, and, and follow faithfully where God is calling me. And we say this all the time to kids, right? If the kid falls down when he's trying to learn how to ride a bicycle, we're like, it's okay, dust yourself off. You'll get it next time. If somebody's trying in sports and they fail, you tell them, it's okay, dust yourself off. You'll get it next time. And yet for ourselves, when we fail in situations like this, far too frequently we hold on to it instead of allowing it to spur us on uh, to, to make us greater, we let it hold us back. And so I, wanna, I, wanna, I want to have us understand that although we have failed in the past, our failures don't define us. Jesus does. Although we have failed in the past, our failures don't define us. The Holy Spirit of God within us defines us. Although we have failed in the past, our failures don't define us. God the Father, His love defines who we are. And if God believes in us, then why do we believe that we're not good enough, that we can't do it, that we aren't able, that even though we have the Holy Spirit of God living within us, we're unable to act and we're handcuffed to our failures and to our past. There was a time in the early church when I'm sure that most of the disciples felt like they were handcuffed to their past. I mean, they, they had abandoned Jesus and allowed him to be crucified and, and, and didn't even acknowledge him. Peter, his closest disciple, went to the trial and, and denied Jesus three times. And I'm sure his failure stood out before him. I know it did because Jesus had to reinstate him uh, into the disciples so that he felt like he was one of them again. And, and yet, it was that same Peter on the day of Pentecost that everything changed. Let's take a look at that. This is what it says in Acts 2 verses 1. And ver, ver, we're we're going to go through it a little bit at a time, but uh, this is the story of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. All of the disciples were together in one place. And suddenly uh, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they, the disciples, were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Uh, they, they they are overwhelmed and empowered by the presence of God. And, and Peter, who had been afraid to speak out and even acknowledge who Jesus was, now is bold in his acceptance and proclamation of Jesus' resurrection. They, they burst out of the house and overwhelmed by the presence of the Holy Spirit and inspired to speak in different languages, they start explaining the gospel, that Jesus died and had been been raised from the dead and that we can have life in him. And Peter starts explaining this to people. And, and what's going on is there's this cacophony of different languages that are being done. And, and there are people in, in 
town for Pentecost. So Pentecost isn't a Christian holiday. Pentecost is actually a a Jewish holiday. It's called Shavuot. Uh, Pentecost is actually 50 days, right? Past, uh, so 50 days from Passover uh, is Pentecost or Shavuot. And Shavuot is the first fruits. Think about this. God chooses the day when we are to bring our first fruits to God. And he uses that as a day to say, you are the first fruits of my kingdom. And to you, I give my Holy Spirit. And they are so on fire for Jesus and explaining this in different languages and, and people from all over the world are there, Parthians and Medes and Elamites, and they're hearing these men from Galilee, these backwater hillbillies, uh, explaining to them in their own language the hope of Jesus. Now, some of them were like, man, what is this spectacle going on? I bet they're drunk, right? And Peter steps up and he's like, hey, you know what? We aren't drunk. It's only nine in the morning. <laughs> I love Peter's response. Maybe later. But to, right now, no, no, we haven't had anything. What we have is the presence of God's Holy Spirit in power and in might. And we want you to hear this news. This Jesus whom you crucified was the Son of God who was raised from the dead on the third day. You remember Jesus, the miracle worker, the one who rose Lazarus from the dead. He himself was raised by God on the third day, and you are the ones that executed him. And they were convicted in that moment, convicted by the Holy Spirit, convicted by their failures, and they could have let their failures define them. They could have said, oh, woe is me. I am doomed and turned and left. But instead, Peter explains to them what they can do to receive salvation. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I love this. Friends, Peter has received the Holy Spirit, and what does he do to those that he has just said, you were there, you were the ones who who crucified Jesus. He says, hey, but if you repent, if you turn away, you can have the very same gift that I have received can be given to you. The Holy Spirit of God will come and dwell within you, that you will have God's presence every moment of every day, that you will become the temple of God. And the pro- this promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 people had, had been convicted of their sin and their need for Jesus. Peter now boldly proclaiming the Holy Spirit's presence and, and, and sharing the gospel. And the Spirit worked on their hearts. The Spirit worked on their hearts and their lives were changed in a moment. Because Peter was no longer afraid. He didn't let his past failure define him. He used that to inspire him to move forward. He allowed the Holy Spirit to speak boldly through him. And in that moment, 
he was able to share the gospel with all of those people. And 3,000 people in a moment were changed. Their lives were changed forever. The Holy Spirit prompts his people to seize the moment for the kingdom of God to share God's glory and His grace, to share in the hope and the promise of Jesus Christ. And, and we're done, we do this because we are led by the Holy Spirit, not just Peter, but each of us as well, that God intends for each of us to be led by His Holy Spirit in spite of our failures. I'm sure none felt their failure more than the Apostle Paul. Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles. Last week, we talked about how he had, uh, had, had planned to go to Rome, but never intended to go as a prisoner, and he made it to Rome as a prisoner. Paul, this same Paul, was present and gave his approval for the execution, the first martyr of the Christian faith, a guy named Stephen, Paul was there and gave his stamp of approval for it because he believed so, so vehemently against the church that he was there for Stephen's execution and gave his seal of approval for them to stone him to death. But Paul didn't let that failure define him. Instead, when he recognized that he was in the wrong, he used all of his energy, all of his effort to make a difference to make a difference for the kingdom of God. So Paul, arrested in Rome, it says this, um, for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. Uh, he proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. With all boldness. And without hindrance, Paul proclaims the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul used God's moment to share grace. He's in a rented house that he has to pay for while he awaits trial under house arrest. Can't leave, can't go anywhere. And yet, what does he do? Does he work on his defense? Is he meeting with his trial lawyers trying to figure out how to get out of it? Is he trying to use back channels to not go in front of Caesar? No, none of those things. Instead, Paul, whether he is free or whether he is in chains, he belongs to Jesus. And so Paul uses that time, that moment to share, inspire, teach, and preach, to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ boldly because of the Spirit of God that is within him. Paul uses his moments and shares the good news. We should do the same. We should use God's moments and, and experience express God's love and grace and exclaim God's hope and promise of life and, and the promise of resurrection to each and every person that, that holds fast to God. And, and we, can, we can sit here and we can say, yeah, but I've done too much wrong. Yeah, but I don't want to bother people. Yeah, but I'm not eloquent. I don't know enough to share what God is calling me to share. What's interesting to me is I love this uh, because the argument 
that, that people usually use is they don't know enough about the Bible, they're not uh, wise enough or whatever. The Holy Spirit says, hey, Jesus tells us, when you lack for words, don't worry. The Holy Spirit will speak through you. And most people don't want to hear your theological interpretation of the Trinity or uh, your, what, what the order of salvation is, uh, any of these high theological concepts. Instead, what they want to know is why you believe. What has Jesus done in your life that has made a difference for you? And so what can we do? What can we do to make a difference? Uh, first, we seek the Holy Spirit. If we're going to allow God to move in and through us, if we're going to look for these God moments and, 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 and take full advantage of these God moments, we have to seek the Holy Spirit first and foremost. We have to say, Jesus, send your spirit to me in power and in might and help me to move the way that you want me to move. Help me to do the things that you want me to do. Help me not to go under my own power and authority, but instead to seek you first and always in every moment. How should I speak to this person? How should I speak to this person? What word of hope can you offer to me so that I can pass it on to them? Think about what that would look like if we took seriously this moment and seek the Holy Spirit, each of us, if we do that. And then we survey the opportunities. Because we're seeking the Holy Spirit, we can watch for those moments that God means for us. Like when I walked out and James was right there, those moments where we recognize that God is intending this moment to be something special, not maybe a moment where they're like, oh my goodness, I need Jesus right now, but a moment that could be a step in the direction towards Jesus for somebody that's far from him. And so we, we survey those opportunities, we wait and, and we watch, and then we seize the moment. We don't back away but in the boldness of the presence of the Holy Spirit, God within us, we seek, we watch, and then we, we seize the moment sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, maybe just sharing a word of love and grace, maybe sharing a promise of resurrection or hope in the lives of somebody who is struggling. And friends, I mean this very seriously. The reason I share the story of James, my failure with James, is because it was a turning point in my life. A moment when I said, never again will I allow my fear, my concern to prevent me from walking boldly in the kingdom of God. I remember I went home so convicted uh, and, and so concerned that, that I called my pastor. I called him and I was like, hey man, here's the situation. I, I wanted to confess because it was so painful to me. Like I, I was burning with regret and, and I'm sure the enemy was just pounding it on saying, hey, you have failed God. Never again will you be worthy because in, in the early time when I became, first became a Christian, I kept waiting for them to find me out and know that I wasn't the person that they thought I was. I wasn't the person that they expected me to be. Instead, I was just this broken kid who was trying really hard to do what Jesus wants, but I was still afraid and still messed up. And I knew that this was the moment that I was going to call and share this and I was going to be asked not to come back. I really believe that. And so I called 
And I was like, hey, man, this is what happened. And, and I'll never forget the words. He said, Steve, you went back. Yeah, you failed, but the Holy Spirit had a hold of you, and you went back. You acted in faith, not in the moment, but you responded in faith. Let this be something that spurs you on. Next time, do better. Next time, do better. And that's good news for all of us because next time we can and should do better. Never again will we allow our failures to dictate who we are. We can rely on the Holy Spirit and trust in full confidence God's Holy Spirit moving in and through us so that we can share God's love and grace because the truth is this, we are the difference God is making in the world. You know, right now it's very cliche to say, be the change you want to see in the world. The truth is, we are God's difference. We are the ones bearing the good news, the hope of Jesus Christ, and sharing that with everyone we come in contact with. By our love, we will be known, and by our love, the world will be transformed around us because we are transformed by God's love first. And so our hope is that in this moment, this moment, we will say, yes, Lord, send me into your world. Yes, Lord, inspire me by the power of your Holy Spirit. Yes, Lord, I will rely on you and I will go to proclaim your good news that Christ has died, Christ has been resurrected, and Christ will come again in victory. And we have life eternal in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Gracious and almighty God, we give you thanks and praise for the gift of Jesus Christ. Remind us of your Holy Spirit and the presence you have given to us and, and set our failures as far as the east is from the west so that we can embrace a new life in Jesus Christ, a life filled with hope and promise, a life filled with the expectation of your Spirit and a life led by you and following in the footsteps of your Holy Spirit so that we can proclaim your good news in boldness and in the power and the authority that you have given to us through your life, death, and resurrection. Make us more like Jesus. Let us love boldly and live to proclaim always and forever the goodness of our God. And all of us agreed and prayed this in the name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, saying, Amen.